What is up, everyone, and welcome to It's Called Soccer. This week, we're obviously going to be talking about the U.S. men's national team's roster going into the World Cup, doing a little bit of previewing about what that roster looks like, the biggest surprises, whether they were inclusions or exclusions, and talking through our starting 11. So this is the place to start if you're looking to learn more about this U.S. team going into the Qatar 2022 World Cup. I'm your host, Jake, joined by Tom and Manny today to go over this. What's up, guys? Manny, it's been a while since you've been on the pod. How you been doing? Um, you know, just been kind of just laying low, um, you know, doing a bit and whatnot. But, you know, happy to be here. Glad to be here. And, you know, see, I got my World Cup jersey ready. So. <laughs> you ready. Tom, how about you? Doing okay. It's been a very busy week. I just got back to State College after traveling south for my grandmother's funeral. Um, uh, so glad to be back. Glad to be back in the U.S. spaces and hanging out, um, ready to go with the final sprint of the World Cup just around the corner. Yeah, final sprint. And let's not waste any time, guys. We're going to get right into it. Let's talk about this roster. I know it was a huge lead up, right, from World Cup qualifying to the June friendlies and September friendlies. And we finally have those 26 names. I feel like I kind of want to start in the defenders, do something a little unconventional, skip the goalkeepers for now. I want to start in the summer. We will talk about the goalkeepers, though, right? We will. We we will. We have to talk about them for sure because ESPN's lead story the other day was the goalkeepers. Okay. All right. I've I've been I've been vetoed. Let's talk about the goalkeepers then, Um, and let's just work our way up the pitch. All right, we, we're bringing three goalkeepers, Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, and Matt Turner. I think the biggest surprise here is Zach Steffen being left off. Manny. I, yeah. Or Tom. <laughs> yeah, like I said, ESPN's lead story on Wednesday night was Zach Steffen dropped from roster. <laughs> Crazy uh, exclusion that I don't hate and I think is a great move by Greg Berhalter. Clears the way for Matt Turner to be the starter, and frankly... Ethan Horvath has outperformed Stefan in the same league this year. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, and obviously the best sport in the world, soccer. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. I mean, this this conversation is probably going to come up again and again for this roster, but I think one of the the arguments against that is that Zach Steffen has been a huge core part of this team for so long, and there are a few other players that fit into this bucket. We put a lot of confidence in him. We put a lot of time and effort into developing him, especially with this team. So, Manny, were you surprised by this? Do you agree with Tom that it's the right no, decision? No, I think... Uh talking points and, and, and people surrounding, you know, the, the, the U.S. M&T space have been kind of alluding to this for probably the last two or three weeks. So I think this was going to be expected. Um, you know, uh, most people were talking about how Stefan has just been in such bad form. 
um, you know, not only this season, but just even going back past last season. Um, so I, I think this was expected. And so just to kind of see this actually confirmed, um, I don't know if this is a conf- confirmation bias to those, to those people, but, you know, it, it absolutely speaks to that. So, Did this make it more palatable then when you kind of look down the roster and see some of the other surprise players that were left off the list? Like for me, so, I didn't necessarily think Greg had it in him to leave someone like Zach Steffen off the so, list. I think like a lot of the conversation coming in is that we had a, a, a goalkeeper carousel. And so like not one goalkeeper stood out, you know, as the, okay, he's the number one guy. Um, and so I think to, to uh, Tom's point, you know, this just gives us a clear number one. We don't have to worry about uh, who's going to start from game to game. We know Matt Turner is going to be the starter. And then for whatever reason, you know, if Matt gets hurt, Ethan is the next up. And then, you know, Sean's there, obviously, for, you know, for veteran support and vibes. So, yeah. Yeah. Tom, Sean Johnson, like, what's he going to add to this list? Sean Johnson is the leader of the goalkeeper room. He is the veteran. He is this generation's Nick Ramondo. He's been in every single camp dating back to 2018. If you go and watch the U S soccer video, they just posted of a uh, Burhalter giving his call to Johnson to tell him that he went to the world cup. First off, really great video. Sean gets really emotional, uh, very heartwarming. Second off, um, Burhalter mentioned specifically how he started with Johnson as a third goalkeeper in camp and has basically ridden that all the way through the last four years. So, Johnson is, for Burhalter, the guy who has been the veteran presence in the locker room. He looked great against Uruguay when he had to play a friendly earlier this year. He's just a veteran player. We don't expect him to get any minutes, but, you know, having a guy like that in the locker room is a huge deal when you have such a young team. Yeah. I guess looking at the goalkeepers of the past, the Tim Howards, his defense in the net against Belgium, do we, like, is Matt Turner going to be an X factor like that for the U.S. team, Manny? So that one time. So we've seen in the past our goalkeepers have been really strong for us, and especially Tim Howard's defense of the net against Belgium in the knockout round kept us in it. Do we have that type of X factor in Matt Turner, or is this kind of one of the weaker goalkeeper cores that we brought to the World Cup? Um, just going, you know, basically quit, quit, pro quit. Um, you know, Tim Howard was probably one of the better goal like, at that time, 2014. Tim Howard was probably, I probably would say, a top five, at least top seven goalkeeper in the Premier League. Um, if you want to go to world, okay, so be it. But I think at least in Premier League, he was like a top seven goalkeeper. Matt Turner doesn't start every game for for the, the Premier League leaders right now. So it's kind of tough to say. All that I know is is that Matt Turner, out of all the goalkeepers, he probably has the best shot-stopping ability. So we'll have to see in that regard. But, you know, all, all signs pointing that, you know, he, he maybe can replicate the same performances. We'll have to see. Tom? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like Turner is not going to be Stefan, or he's not going to be Howard, sorry. <laughs> um, we, we know that coming in. We know that he's not Brad Friedel. We know that he's not Tony Miola. 
Um, but he is a really good goalkeeper. He has done nothing but shop, stop shots for us. He's not going to have a Stefan-like moment where he goes on a walkabout and doesn't get the ball, as we've seen Stefan do, what, three or four times with just in 2022 for the U.S. in goal. I I don't think you're going to have a goalkeeper for a while for the U.S. that is actually being used in the advertising material leading up to the World Cup like Tim Howard was. Tim Howard was kind of the star of that team leading up to the, t- the tournament. So we're not going to get that. But of all the goalkeepers in the pool, I do think Matt Turner gives us the best chance to advance and raises our floor of what our base expectations are more than Stefan does. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And for me, Matt Turner is kind of that really safe, cozy, warm option at the goalkeeper position when he's between the sticks for the U.S. I just feel like he's not going to take a ton of risks. He'll be a great shot stopper. And that's that. That's what you need from the goalkeeper. Uh, Greg said something really interesting about bringing Ethan Horvath, which was essentially when Ethan Horvath has been called to action from the bench as a goalkeeper for the U.S., he has always come up big, whether that was in Nations League final against Mexico or other opportunities that he's had with the U.S. That was kind of the reasoning that Greg gave to bring Ethan Horvath over Zach Steffen. Is there something to the story of kind of Zach Steffen wanting to be the first option and if he wasn't going to be that, then it was just worth it to not have him on the roster. Also, I, you know what? I I feel like that that's that's he said she said. There's there hasn't been any like definitive. Um, there hasn't really been a definitive article or link that that said that he would you know that he said that. So I'm I'm not I'm not gonna buy into that. But you know, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that a player would just completely flat out turn down a World Cup because they weren't the starter. Fair. <laughs> but it does make it easier to yeah. put Matt Turner at number one. Gives him confidence in the net for the U.S. Oh, yeah, All for right. sure. Anything else to say about goalkeepers? Uh, I I, I want to say something. So my, my approach to this roster probably would have been a little bit different. So, you know, you get the three extra spots. Those three last spots maybe might not have, you know, get any to little minutes. I personally would have brought some, you know, players that maybe not necessarily um, would have played a role, but like some of the younger guys that you would have, you know, you you just want to bring them to get the experience. So then when, once 2026 comes around or beyond, you know, they know what it's like to be um, – in in a tournament like this. So I probably again Sean Johnson probably won't play. I probably would have I personally probably would have tried to call up Gabriel Slonina and you know have him be on the bench, just watch, observe. So then when his time is called, you know, he's all he's already been here. So he he knows what, what it takes and he could be a, a veteran a World Cup veteran to, to lean on in future World Cups. So that, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, that's that Chicago bias kicking in, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do get what you're saying, but then it's kind of like, what what then is the rationale for maybe not calling in Ricardo Pepe versus calling in Gaga Slanina? Like there, there's kind of like a an, an entire review of the roster then that needs to happen to be like, okay, what what confidence do we need to have that you'll be the guy in 2026? that will bring you here and take a roster spot from someone else. 
but I, I see the logic. I just feel like Sean Johnson has been such a Greg guy, like a Greg leader in the locker room that Gaga Sonina, yeah, he has to really be cemented as the number one for the U.S. for us to consider that. We're going to have to have like this whole discussion on vibes at the end of this because there are yeah. a couple names that are going to be very vibes-based. Sean Johnson I mean, he, is our first vibes guy. Even the guy yeah. that we'll talk about for vibes, which is Christian Roldan, that's kind of where the meme came from. That's actually the one that I feel best about being on the yeah. roster, honestly. <laughs> um, there are other few vibes guys that I maybe take offense with. But um, all right, we should move to defenders and and maybe start with the center backs. But we can spend hours here talking about the middle and the fullbacks. Um, we're bringing four center backs, guys. Obviously, Chris Richards and Miles Robinson are injured. So we are bringing Walker Zimmerman, Tim Ream, uh, Aaron Long and Cameron Carter Vickers. Four center backs. Uh, one is definitely going to be the starter in Walker Zimmerman. And then we have three that are vying for that left center back position. So um, can where I, are you at? Right, yeah, go go ahead, Manny. I was going to say, so can I maybe engineer like another question before we... You absolutely... I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you what let's... Let, let's let's go with your original thought process and then we'll come to this question after this question. All right. So Aaron Long, I think, is the name we have to start with, right? <laughs> I mean, it's been forced on us. So <laughs> I think we I, do. I mean, to. there are better options out there. I think that this is one of the spots where I would agree with the roster critiques of Eric Palmer Brown or Mark McKenzie, I think I would rather see Mark McKenzie than Eric Palmer Brown, although he has been captaining Trois recently, which is an important thing, even if it's not been his best season. So even if you look to the MLS, there is a better name that's been outperforming him in MLS than Matt Miazga. You could even go to the championship and look at Austin Trusty. There are names that I think are better suited for this spot than Aaron Long, but unfortunately, <laughs> Aaron Long is probably our next vibes guy, and as a guy that Burhalter has trusted for years, and I'd expect him to start the first match. Although, would you put a Jonathan Lewis situation from the last Gold Cup out of the realm of possibility? Can you even really consider him a vibes guy? Because it's just like it seems like Greg is really trying to make this one stick. I I, I think you have to upgrade him. I, I personally wouldn't upgrade him as a vibe as vibes guy, but I think based on the you know based on the, um, the 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 situation at hand, you know he Greg is going to try to make this work, and so I think we all expect that Aaron Long will start um, for the foreseeable future in this tournament. I don't know know if I say for the foreseeable future of the tournament. Remember, we brought two wingers to the 2021 Gold Cup, and everyone had this exact same critique of Jonathan Lewis being there. Jonathan Lewis put in one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a U.S. player in that first game of the Gold Cup, and we never saw him again. There is a chance that long starts against Wales looks terrible and never sees the field again. That's not good well, for us. I, I want it's to, not. It's absolutely not a good thing. That. But I want to believe that. But he has not given me confidence that 
that is the case. So it's just more so of a wait and see situation. But yeah, I am gonna go out on a limb here and say that I don't think Aaron Long is gonna start that first game. I feel like Greg has entered the realm of making some key decisions that are against what I would think is like a Greg decision. And what I mean by that is for a long time, I would trust that he would pick guys that are his guys that have been with him for a long time that he's chosen over more talented or maybe more productive players. And here with this roster uh, in some of the recent friendlies, I just feel like he's kind of gone against that and shown me that he can say no to some players that have been with him for a long time or he's built this relationship with and just going into camp or I guess the week before the world cup starts, Tim Ream is captaining Fulham. their top table premier league right now in the top table of the premier league right now. Cameron Carter Vickers is captaining Celtic, which bombed out of the champions league, but again, still a great team. I, I just can't see Greg bringing those four center backs and saying, yep, in the most critical game against Wales where we need three points to start off, I'm going to pick Aaron Long as my other center back. So I have been working on a theory uh, on various discords this week of a normal stereotypical Greg versus a pragmatic Greg that only shows up around big tournaments and when his back (laughs) is against the wall. And I think we have entered the realm again where pragmatic Greg has showed up. We haven't seen him for a while, but he does show up in areas like the 2021 Nations League where he made very difficult calls. Um, And in certain times during World Cup qualifying when our back was against the wall. When Greg needs to, he pulls out names that you wouldn't expect and benches players that you wouldn't expect. In World Cup qualifying, he sent Sebastian Leggett out to pasture, which is something that I don't think any of us would have seen coming based on the last year. I think we're seeing this sort of Greg Burhalter show up who absolutely knows how to win big games or at least how to put himself in the position to win big games, which works out in favor of someone like a Tim Ream. I also have done a lot of listening to Burhalter's discussions with the media about this roster, and one of the things he talks about a lot is familiarity of people who play in England. So players who've played against players from Wales and against the English national team. He talks about that over and over and over again when he talks about roster selection. This will come up again later when we talk about the forwards. But if he's putting this much emphasis on this person has played against Welsh national team players, you've got to think Tim Ream is in a great position to start. I mean, he's playing against Dan James in training every day. That's going to be one of Wales's most dangerous attacking players. Can I, can I ask my hypothetical question now? Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So say that Miles Robinson is is healthy. Say that Chris Richards is healthy. That means that if we just go with the – if we go with the fact that he brought up four CBs, that means three CBs would have been taken. Who would have been that last CB? I mean, my heart wants to say Tim Ream but my head says Aaron Long. <laughs> and that's my... I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a good it, question. It's a, hard, it's a hard question. I think that the you've seen so much of... A, during qualifying, we saw so much of a rotation of Richards, Zimmerman, and Robinson that it kind of would have been academic because I don't think that fourth center back would have seen a single minute. Well, will whoever the fourth center back is in this group see a single minute? 
I think Cameron Carter-Vickers maybe gets five minutes in a game where we have the lead and we need to throw a guy on just to close out the game, but I don't see him playing the field, beyond, seeing that much time beyond that. Yeah. Uh, one exclusion that I want to just mention is Reggie Cannon. And we don't necessarily have anyone now that can set up in a three-in-the-back system so or, or allow us to play a three-in-the-back flexible system like Reggie Cannon could. So when we look at our fullbacks, now I want to take us to the left back. Here's our depth for the left back position. Anthony Robinson. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's true, but we do have a couple of guys who've played some switchback in their career. So Joe Scally, amazing to see his name on this roster, by the way. Really happy that he made the team. Has looked great in Germany this year. But he got his debut for Marching Gladback and played his first six months as a left back. We know he can do it. He's not as dangerous going forward, but he can do the job pretty well as a stay-at-home left back. And Shaq Moore, despite the fact that he is a nominal right back, did play three games at left back last year for Tenerife in La Liga 2. So we know he can do it. It's not a really common thing for him, but he does have the ability to play some switchback. Manny, we saw Anthony Robinson get essentially 270 minutes every single time we played in World Cup qualifying. Is that going to be the same in this group stage? I think the I think the only way that happens is say if we drop a game or we drop points. I think if we qualify, if we qualify um, within those two games, I think he'll get a rest, obviously. But um, if we drop points, I, I have to think – I have to think that he will play a lot of minutes. Now, there could be some situations where tactically Greg wants to, to, to play around. And and not mean play around like he's not taken serious, but like he might want to tinker with the formations and whatnot. But for the most part, I think he is going to log heavy minutes just because um, we we don't really have a natural left uh, a left back replacement for him out there. So, yeah. I guess we can lump in Kellen Acosta into that list as well of players that can that can. Yeah, we him. have we we have we have two two we have two uh, fullbacks that can play on the left side if need be, and then we have two emergency um, types in Ream and uh, Kellen Acosta if need be. So I don't think yeah. we're worried on that front. If we really just need um, somebody to play, uh, knock on wood, if you know, he gets injured or whatnot, but, you know. Yeah. Do, do so, you think Dest is seen as a viable option or is he maybe even the main option to go over to the left if we need that? I mean, based on historical <laughs> tendencies, I think that's probably the case, but Manny makes a good point. Like, we have a lot of unnatural left-back replacements that can back up Anthony Robinson. Going back to that 2019 deep dive I did, though, one of the things that I remembered way too much of was Tim Ream at left back and how much U.S. fans hated Tim Ream at left back. So let's let's hope we don't get to that. He's a great center back, but I don't think he can do the job anymore at left back. He wasn't even a really a bad left back in that in, in that tournament. He, I mean, he was actually one of the solid solid pieces in the back during that tournament. So I don't, I, I get it. He's not the he's not the the fleet of the most fleet of foot anymore. I get it. But what he lacks in that department, he makes up in experience 
being able to be in position and, they, and being able to play the ball. So, I mean, you're not going to get the, 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 the perfect center half on this team. You know, you have a bunch of center halves that all have strengths and weaknesses. It's all about mm-hmm. putting the right combination together to, to minim- mitigate those, if that makes yeah. sense. It's a great point. We don't have a Virgil Van Dyke, and we don't have this elite center back player like we might have in other positions, at least relative to what the U.S. has had in the past. So if we have Anthony Robinson on the left, we then have four right backs on the roster, Serginho Dest, Shaq Moore, Joe Scally, and DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, where do we even start on this? Shaq Moore, to me, out of nowhere... <laughs> Uh, he was in the MLS camp for a few weeks with Greg and the team. I mean, that name doesn't feel like it's equal to all of the other names on this roster. But where does Shaq Moore come in? Or or is that just another vibes guy for you? I'm a big Shaq Moore fan. Um, uh, I don't know if I've, uh, I've uh, expressed that on this show, but I'm, I'm a big Shaq Moore fan. I was, I was, real, I was a real big fan of him when he was at... Uh, Tenerife and uh, guy can cross. So Manny, what does he bring then? Like, help educate me. He's so he's a guy that um, early in his career, because he 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 actually played in some. He actually, um, you know, he was actually a youth national teamer. Early in his career, he was more of the athlete, and so then once he went to Spain, he kind of had to. He kind of had to, uh, you know, fill out that that toolbox. So um, he's a he has a really good right foot. So he's he has learned to um, to cross with his right foot, and you know he can hit 20, 30 yards out and hit a guy right on his head, pinpointed. He, that's how good he is. Um, as far as like as far as like his 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 club choice and. And coming back to the MLS, he he needed game time, and so I honestly I I didn't really expect him to be on his roster, um, just because he wasn't really called in much after that March window. Um, but you are getting a solid player, e- even if it's a third or for fourth right back on the yeah. squad. I mean, I do want to mention too that. Greg in his post roster press conference did say Shaq Moore is a great one-on-one defender. And because a lot of the teams that will be playing in the world cup group stage have great attacking players and talent on the left side of their field, the right side of ours, Shaq Moore was brought in for that. So even coming out of that for me, I'm thinking, okay, Shaq Moore is the fourth on the step chart. And then Greg comes in essentially says, no, Shaq Moore is here to defend one-on-one against Gareth Bale, Dan James, Raheem Sterling, Mehdi Taremi. Like, he's there to defend and play. I mean, when we've called on Shaq Moore, he's done the job. I mean, he looked great last year in the Gold Cup. He looked really good on a 24-hour emergency call against Panama in March. He's a guy who can just, you if you need him... To play emergency minutes, he will come in and play emergency minutes. He's kind of like the right back version of Ethan Horvath for me. Where if we need him, I, I I'm pretty confident in him to do the job. And it almost sounds play? like maybe Yedlin's our vibes guy. Maybe I mean he's the only one on this roster that has World Cup experience. 
the only player that has been to a World Cup. Um, was Shaq Moore the defender that played for us against France? It was maybe 2018 yeah. or 2019. Yeah, he played. I think yeah. he played on a 1-1 one, one draw. <laughs> so, I mean, he's played against good competition for the U.S. before. And uh, Manny, like you said, he's been a part of the, the U.S. men's national team set up for a really long time. I think he captained some of the youth teams as well. Um, so hopefully the players that played with him love him and he's a good addition to this roster. I think it also has to be said at this point, I'm taking, I'm trying to take the positive outlook on every single one of these guys. If I don't agree with it, I'm still thinking, okay, this guy is going to be on the pitch for the U.S., and I'm going to support them no matter what. So, Shaq Moore, if you do get, do get on the field, hope you do well. Hope you shut down the team just like you did Mbappe, and we'll see how it goes. Um, on your on your personal depth charts for this, Serginio Dest is number one, I'm assuming. Then who is two, three, four? Uh, I have Joe Scally, number two. Um Shaq Moore, number three, and then Yellen, number four. Uh, that's just my personal. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Yeah. Scally for right. sure is number two at both positions for me, at left and right back. We would hope. The viewers at home would hope. All right, let's move to midfielders now. Uh, interesting. First note, Brendan Aronson is listed as a midfielder here. Before we even get into positions, uh, is Brendan Aronson going to be seen as an attacking midfielder or is he in the winger pool for this team? It, it really just depends game game to game and, and how Greg sees it. Um, I remember in the summer window, um, we were, we, I think, we, who were we? We were, without, we were without uh, a few of our, well, we, I think we were, we were without um, Musa for a game or something like that. And so Aronson came in and played as an eight. So it just really just depends on who Greg sees. Um, but I personally think that if everybody's healthy, he's probably going to play more as a winger. Yeah. Is that triangle in the midfield pretty? Four, three, three throughout. Yeah. Is that three in the midfield pretty much set between Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and Eunice Musa? I know some people have talked about maybe replacing Musa or replacing McKinney with Gio Reyna or Brendan Aronson. Where are you guys at? I, I feel like Greg is just going to go with his three guys no matter what. I I don't know. I, could we see maybe someone else step in, maybe an Aronson step in against Wales just to give us an extra attacking piece, especially if McKinney's not 90 minutes fit? And against a team that I, frankly, don't really respect their attack that much, um, but have a really great respect for their defense, like Wales. We know they're going to be tough to break down. It might make sense to use McKenney off the bench, throw Aronson on as an eight, and just give yourself basically three wingers and a striker to try and break down that low block. Yeah. Manny, where are you at? Do we play one of these kind of flexible... Tens, eights, wingers in one of those positions, or do we go with Musa and McKinney? I think we just need to do more than a, a you know. I think we need to tinker around with the formations a little bit more. Um, I, I just, I, I personally don't think that we we're using the formation that best utilizes our players. Yeah, 
that that's just okay, my so personal opinion. Putting so. on your pragmatic Greg hat, what does what formation does? Uh, four a four two three one with with more of a ten like Gio Reyna, yeah, Brendan Aronson. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Luca De La Torre and Christian Roldan are the other name, and Kellen Acosta, of course, are the other names that round out this list. Christian Roldan, the vibes guy, ta- takes one home. Um, I I feel like he's flexible enough. He plays enough positions. He's loved in the locker room. Like I don't necessarily have a huge issue with bringing someone like Christian Roldan on. But were were there any huge surprises for you guys in the midfield positions? I'm surprised that uh, no Malik Tillman. Um, that I thought that that was almost like a lock, but you know, yeah. And on the day of the roster announcement, he scored as well. Yeah, I, I thought match. for sure. I thought for sure Tillman was going to be on this roster, but I, I don't know if you guys have seen the Markel Santi Twitter thread that they just did about um, uh, Christian Roldan. But they mentioned in that Twitter thread all the different ways that Roldan essentially from the bench will tell guys, "Hey, look, you're not using this space effectively. If you move into this half space, or if you can find this little pocket, you're going to be a little bit better. Or if you can make this pass more, it'll break them down a little bit easier." Roldan apparently is not just there to, to be a great figure in the locker room, but the players like Weston McKinney have said that he will come up to them at halftime during a match and just completely make them a better player. So having someone like that who has the eyes to spot things from the bench and be, is, has a good tactical knowledge of the game is an important thing in a World Cup where we don't expect all 26 to play. So you're essentially giving yourself an extra assistant coach on the bench in addition to someone who's loved in the locker room. I want him as player coach. I'm saying it now. <laughs> I want him in the, the Wayne Rooney player coach role. Um, yeah, Malik Tillman was a surprise, more just because of how much he had been playing for the U.S. He committed to the U.S., so I would assume some of those conversations were around the World Cup. Not necessarily a guarantee, but there's a good opportunity for him to come in. He's been playing well for Rangers. So I hope that doesn't give any kind of negative feelings in the future but i mean malik tillman has committed to the u.s so we'll see what happens in the future all right let's talk about wingers christian pulisic Gio reyna timothy Weya, jordan morris <laughs> tom reaction i don't quite understand it and i feel really bad for paul Ariola here i mean i i don't expect Morris to play many minutes except maybe a desperation throwing the kitchen sink at the game see if we can't get a goal there's some arguments he made that Malik Tillman's better for something like that than a Jordan Morris but um uh I feel so bad for Paul Ariola, who's done nothing but work so hard for the U.S. over the last four years and Morris gets the nod listening to Burhalter talk about that specific call he said it was really hard for him but the way that he met, phrased it was brutal, saying that, you know, we've had a lot of injuries for the last four years to players like Christian Pulisic and Jordan Morris, and it gave Paul Ariola a false sense of security. Even specifically using the phrase false sense of security, which is just so such a brutal way to phrase that. I feel so bad for the guy. Um, I would have preferred to see Paul, obviously, as you can hear me talk about this, but... Jordan Morris is the guy and he did score. He's the last player to score for the U S so hopefully he's got it in him. Thoughts on Jomo Manny. He likely won't play. So, oh well. <laughs> okay. 
So, uh, Manny, then, if we're playing in a 4-3-3, is Christian Pulisic your starting left winger? And then who's on the right? I got Gio. Uh, Gio. People could argue Brendan. People could argue Tim. It's still Gio, Gio all day for me. I think that's a good problem to have for the U.S. Mm-hmm. And we're finally, finally healthy. Finally healthy. And it's just at the right time for the World Cup. I remember back in the summer, actually, we were talking about how how many of our players had long-term injuries that if the World Cup was in the summer, we would have had a pretty decimated team. So maybe by the end of this tournament, we're thanking our lucky stars that we had six more months of uh, getting back to health and form. Worth noting that I think that we expect at some point for the, during this World Cup to have our first ever instance of Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, and Sergino Dest playing at the same time. Never happened. Never happened. Never happened. Five of six has happened a few different times, but even five of six has only happened for like eight total minutes. <laughs> we can we can only hope that uh, we can see some ninety minutes out of those players. All right, I'm sure we're going to spend a good amount of time on this next one, and it's going to finish us up at the striker, the number nine position. Jesus Ferreira, Josh Sargent, and Haji Wright leaving out Ricardo Pepe and Jordan Pifak. Um, I didn't agree with it. I personally would have called him up, but that's Greg for you. <laughs> it's it's crazy that Ricardo Pepe is not on this roster, not just from a he's scoring right now, which I thought was a lock for him, but also from a he was the only Mexican-American in contention for the roster, really, besides Paul Areola, and it's frankly wild that he didn't end up getting called just even if he's not going to play, like you would think that from a dual national recruitment spec perspective, you would it would be worth it to use a roster spot to make sure that Pepe was there um, and getting the nod to play, um, which is not a great reason. But being pragmatic, looking towards the future, it would have been nice to see that. Um, it's just crazy to me that he's not on this roster. He's done so much for the U.S. men's national team. And I feel like he's earned the call. I just don't really understand. So like. In, for a lot of instances for these players, when I look at it in a vacuum, it makes sense. And I can make the I can make the argument for every single one of these players. But when I take that step back and say to myself, Greg specifically brought Ricardo Pepe in to these last few friendlies to try and give him some confidence and give him some form so that he could come into the World Cup with that. And since then, since those camps, He's essentially scored or assisted in every single game for his team, Gronigan. Like, where did he go wrong, or how did Haji Wright slip into this position? So I did watch a bunch of the stuff that Burhalter said about this, and Haji Wright is not the name that Burhalter looked at when he was looking at Pepe on this roster. Um, he essentially said that Pepe... Ferreira and Sargent would have been three redundant strikers who basically play the same game and he didn't need all three of them. Um, Sargent was looked at as being a hybrid between a very big physical striker that you can throw on when you need a goal late and a pressing pass heavy striker who can do the job that Burhalder wants his starter to do, um, which left it coming down to Ferreira versus Pepe for one spot and Pifak versus Haji Wright for the other with Sargent sort of being the lock of the three. So the question becomes, Jesus Ferreira versus Ricardo Pepe. Personally, I would have gone the other direction. 
Berhalter's argument sort of centered on the fact that Sargent has plays in a more physical league and is familiar with the players. It didn't really give a reason for Ferreira besides him being there a lot. And that Pepe, he didn't really value the physicality of the Eredivisie. And frankly, Pepe's underlying numbers are pretty bad right now. How do you he, mean underlying he, numbers? He, he said for Ferreira, he's like, he understands the way we like to play. That was his that was his his words of endorsement for Ferreira. Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically it. And he likes that Ferreira can drop in and sort of combine in the midfield. Um, but by underlying numbers, I mean that while Ricardo Pepe has about 0.5 goals and assists per game right now, he has less than a tenth of an XG per game or about a tenth of, a, of an XG per game. He is scoring and assisting on very low quality chances right now. And it's not really sustainable for a long term. You would think that maybe it could continue through a World Cup, but look at what Jordan Peefock's uh, low XG numbers have gotten him in the last 10 games, which is not a single goal since September and now dropped from the starting lineup of Union Berlin. Yeah. So if Josh Sargent then is the physical striker that you can throw on at the end of the game, what's Haji right? No, that's Haji right. Josh, Sar- Josh Sargent is the hybrid physical uh, the striker hybrid. who can also play both. Who he, he, he is the best of both worlds. Berhalter specifically mentions him as being able to do the physical stuff well and the pressing stuff well that he wants from a striker. And, it sounded to me like Josh Sargent was his starter. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's go through a starting 11 then. And and this is going to be our best 11, not necessarily playing for one opponent or the other. When we go to goalkeepers, I think we can all agree Matt Turner is the number one. Defenders now, uh, fullbacks, Anthony Robinson and Serginio Dest are pretty much 99% of all of the fans. Okay. You are now in charge of the team. Who are the two center backs that give you your best 11 on this roster? My personal two are Tim Ream and Zim. Yeah. Manny. Agree. Yeah. I also agree. One challenge to that, uh, that leaves us with probably two of our slower center backs or, or at least the combination of the two of the slower center backs. Does that give you any pause or is it just, they put themselves in good enough position. They don't necessarily need the speed and we'll be all right. I think that Zimmerman's underrated for his speed. I think that he can do the job of covering for Tim Ream. If you wanted someone to sub in there, I think I would possibly sub in Carter Vickers for Ream, uh, or just to sort of give you that more athletic duo. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's, it's difficult. I, I think that, Ream and Zimmerman have done enough to earn the job for me, regardless of their speed. And Carter Vickers is sort of a rotate in for one of those two if you need someone to play a high line. Yeah. All I know is all I know is we're avoiding Aaron Long with the plague. (laughs) (laughs) Any anyone but Aaron. Um, But again, if he's on the field, go Aaron Long. (laughs) Yeah, I want you to do well. Okay, midfielders, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa. Any uh, issues there? That's my three. All right. And up top, Manny, who you got top three? I would say Pulisic, Sergeant, Geo. I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to disagree there, and I'm going to say Pulisic, Sergeant, Weah. Okay. I, I like, I like Geo. <laughs> 
I, I like Gio off the bench, actually. I, I think that him running against tired legs for other teams is going to be a great spot for him. And I just have a hard time looking at Wea's contributions over the last year and saying that he doesn't deserve to be on the field for the U.S. as our most dangerous player. I mean, at least in that right wing spot, we're talking about what two two Champions League wingers and one that's making a name for himself at Leeds. So mm-hmm. we we really can't go wrong. But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna side with Manny and <laughs> give him give Gio Reyna two votes out of three because he like I know for a long time we've been without him and we've done okay, but. He is a generational talent, and I really feel like he he needs to be on the field if we can fit him in. It's fair. All right, guys. The roster is out. We've broken it down position by position, player by player. Um, Manny, I want to start with you on this question. Based on your expectations for who we are going to bring in, does this change your expectation at all of what you're looking for in the U.S. performances? Like in what way? So I guess before the roster came out, did you have a specific expectation of getting out of the group? And does this change that? Um, I, I think from a fan base standpoint, I, I think, you know, the, the initial, I guess the initial reactions was like, okay, can we, we should at least get out the group. Um, and I, and I think though, and I, and I, and I honestly think that goal is still an achievable goal. Um, with with the roster being picked, I think that's still that's still the goal to try to get out of the the you know get out of the the group stage. So yeah, Tom, how about you? I I personally don't really rate more than just about sixteen or seventeen of these names for a World Cup anyway, and so the last couple players in this roster to me doesn't really change a whole lot just because I don't think they would have been making an impact really on this team. And so I do think that it's just sort of an interesting uh, situation. We have the names that we have, but it's not going to change my expectations that much just because I don't really rate many of these guys to really perform at a World Cup regardless. Fair, 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 fair. (laughs) All right, so we're going to do a few more episodes throughout the World Cup. and, And before it starts as well, we'll be previewing some games but guys, we are now one week away. Next Sunday will be the kickoff: Ecuador versus Qatar. Uh, what's Tom? What's your last word? You know, it's going to be. It's it's so rare that you have a chance to watch your country in a World Cup. I've been banging this drum forever. Just enjoy every single minute of it. It's going to be awesome. Find a watch party. Find host your own watch party. The American Outlaws will have really big ones in pretty much every major city in the country. I cannot stress enough how much fun it is to watch a World Cup surrounded by other people who love watching the World Cup. So find a crew and just go crazy. Manny, what's your last word? I'm going to have to second what what Tom said. You know, this is the roster, whether you disagreed or agreed with it. This is the roster we have. So, you know, just enjoy um, this time because, you know, this this only comes around every four years. And, you know, thank God that we're not, like other nations like Italy now that, you know, they won't see a world cup for what, 12 years now, possibly yeah. for 12 years. So, yeah. It's been eight and a half for us. So I know we, we especially, and probably if you're listening to this or watching this, you are a hardcore fan. So just make sure to enjoy it. 
through the highs and the lows and, and everything in between, you're not going to get this chance every so often. So uh, make sure to subscribe to the channel so you can see all the other videos coming for the World Cup. And if you like the podcast and you're listening to it on a podcast app, make sure to give us a good review and it helps a long way to share this with more people. Thanks everyone so much. And we'll see you next time on It's Called Soccer.